Hello, everyone. We'd like to welcome you this morning to the Crossroads podcast. Today's uh, topic will be uh, Racism in America, part two. The host, Dr. Lee O. Adams, we will have a guest host today. His name is Dr. Charles Holly from Alabama. He is a, a speaker. He is a author. We are excited to have them to come on today to be part of this awesome podcast. We have Speaker Holly connected and we're just waiting just for one more moment for Dr. Adams to connect into the podcast so we can get this thing rolling. We are just, like we say, we are excited about everything that is going on today. And this will be, like like we have said, this will be a part two of this podcast, uh, Racism in America. Uh, Dr. Leo Adams is uh, from Memphis, Tennessee. And Dr. Holly is coming out of Alabama. We are just so excited to have them to tune in today to be part of this this awesome podcast. Uh, Dr. Holly, are you there? Yes, sir, I am here, Mr. Smith. So great to be here today. We're glad to have you uh, in studio today. And uh, we see that Dr. Dr. Leo Adams is here with us. So we're going to step back and let uh, Dr. Adams have this thing. And we are excited about this podcast today. Go ahead, Dr. Adams. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning to each of you. We thank you for tuning in to the Crossroads uh, podcast brought uh, to you by BVS Gospel Net. This is episode three, this Saturday, September 12th, AD 2020, and also in the Hebrew calendar year 5780. And as I often say, it is later than we think. I want to tell you today that our topic can America. Thank you for tuning in to Crossroads. Crossroads is where North and South meets East and West. Uh, There is a center point in in it in all directions. And so right now, America is at a crossroads. We have heard our political candidates for the presidency uh, speak, and one has a slogan uh, make America great again, and now keep America great. The other is saying that this is for the uh, battle. This is an epic battle for the soul of the nation, which means that North and South is meeting East and West, where uh, diverging opinions are coming together for the outcome to be decided at the polls. Our topic today continues from last Saturday's podcast, last week's podcast, 
And Crossroads is where topics of leading interest are discussed with you, the people, with leading men and women in business and industry and agriculture, in education, in sports and politics and government and health and medicine, uh, family and community values, religious uh, organizations and beliefs, and much, much more. And I want to thank you for tuning us in on today. We do have a continuation of our topic, but we also have a very distinguished gentleman with us on today as we invite others to come. If you uh, have relevant uh, topics of discussion uh, that you would like for us to bring uh, you on, we certainly will uh, uh, keep that in mind. But our special guest today is none other than uh, C.L. Holly. He is a writer. He's a president and CL, CEO of C.L. Holly Ministries uh, Incorporated, uh, who is a 2020 Toastmasters International Award winner. And he has developed a prolific and engaging writing and speaking style. Few of his book titles are Seven Needs of High-Performing Employees, uh, So Above the Pain, uh, Inspiration for Difficult Times, The Next Level Forgiver, Lord, Fix My Leaks, and Black and White, Healing Racial Divide. He is a well-erudite uh, uh, gentleman, uh, well-spoken, very articulate, well-knowledged, and has done quite a bit of research uh, in all of these topics. And I want to tell you, we are so happy to have uh, with us Professor Holly on this morning. We want to say good morning to you. Would you say good morning again to our listening audience? Good morning, Dr. Adams, and thank you so very much for having me on your groundbreaking podcast, Crossroads. Thank you so much. Uh, you will be hearing from Professor Holly in just a few minutes, but to bring you up to where we have been. Uh, last week, I talked about that there was a song in the 60s, 6970 era, that were recorded by uh, a Motown star by the name of actually Edwin Starr, no pun intended. Uh, and he wrote uh, this and uh, sung this selection called War, What Is It Good For? And some 50 years later, we are changing that to ask the question, racism, what is it good for? In his lyrics, uh, he expounds and tells us about war. And I guess we can parallel uh, the same uh, word over to racism because he asked the question, uh, uh, what is it good for? And then he goes on to expound and say, cause it means destruction of innocent lives. Uh, means tears to thousands of mothers' eyes. Ain't nothing but a heartbreaker, friend only to the undertaker. It is an enemy to all mankind. Yes, war. And racism, what is it 
it good for 50 years later. Uh, he said that it has caused unrest within this younger generation. Oh, how prophetic and how profound that statement is. He says it's induction, then destruction. Who wants to die? Has shattered many a young man's dreams, make him disabled, bitter, and mean. Life is much too short and precious to spend fighting wars these days. Can't give life, it can only take away. That is what Edwin Starr said 50 some years ago in his uh, singing of the song, War, What Is It Good For? Then he goes on to say, peace, love, and understanding. Tell me, is there no place for them today? And I remember uh, when I was enrolled as a student at uh, what is now the University of Memphis, but then was Memphis State University. I had a professor and also an advisor by the name of Dr. Dean Peace. Uh, he left Memphis State University and matriculated to the state of Florida as a professor and as uh, uh, one of their leading uh, physical education and health and fitness directors there. And I remember being in his class in health education, and we were asked to write as a term paper, and I can remember it. The name of it was uh, Tolerance, the key to interpersonal relationships and conflict, tolerance. And of course, this was in early uh, 1970 where there was still much unrest going on all over the country. And I remember writing uh, a paper on uh, the topic tolerance, the key to interpersonal uh, conflicts and relationships. And so he's asking the question and saying to us, peace, love, and understanding, tell me, is there no place for them today? Then he says, they say we must fight to keep our freedom, but Lord knows there's got to be a better way. There's got to be a better way. When we see so much hatred and so much violence, uh, we see uh, when uh, young men uh, like Trevon Martin and uh, George Floyd and even Breonna Taylor and others uh, losing their lives because of the perpetration of racism. And so the question today is, what is it good for? And so I could go on and on, but I want to thank uh, my guests for being here on this morning. And I want to have uh, this opportunity to present him uh, to our listening audience at this time. Professor C.L. Harley. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Adams. And I tell you what, you said everything perfectly, just perfectly, absolutely right. What we see today in America, the racial war and unrest and everything that you just mentioned is not new. It's actually old, over 400 years old. 
the racial targeting of minorities, of African-Americans, people in our Jewish communities, in our Muslim community, and now lately in our Chinese communities are under attack. Protests, both peaceful and non-peaceful, all of the unrest, the systemic undoing of social justice laws and practices and diversity training is the latest thing to be attacked. All of these things are not new. They're old. And they stem from a very old problem that America has, and that's called racism. This country was founded on racism, built through racism, prospered by racism, and continues in many aspects to operate under systems and institutions designed to resist diversity, resist integration, designed to be intolerant toward minorities. I write in my book, I say, racism is as American as apple pie and just as woven into the fabric of our society. And as a country and frankly, as a world, we have failed to take racism and put it in its place, which is out of arms reach of our society. We will always have it, but it should never be in the majority. It should always be in the minority. And I, I, I just want to share from uh, pre-Civil War period, antebellum South up until now, just talk about some major institutions and systemic racism that we have had to face in this, in this country. Let's look at the Atlantic slave trade, for example, a very elaborate system of different people on different countries and continents working together. They called it the triangle, where slaves were picked up in Africa and they were sailed to South America, uh, Caribbean islands and to North America. And from there, from North America, they picked up goods and, and took those goods back to Europe. So it was, it was a very elaborate systemic system where people were on different continents, but they were working together and they were doing human trafficking. And history says that by the time slavery ended in America, it is estimated that between 10 million and 12 million Africans were shipped during the Atlantic slave trade. 10 million to 12 million. Can you imagine how many people had to be involved in that in order to be so successful? Then let's move to the antebellum South. This is pre-Civil War. Now, when the slaves were brought to America and bought here, to North America and bought, you had to have systems in place in order to keep them as slaves. So you had to have laws, you had to have practices, and you had to have people in order to ensure that Africans were kept enslaved, impoverished, and dependent upon slave owners. So you had laws, rules, regulations, societal practices that actually ensured that blacks knew their place. Then let's talk about the post-Civil War. So the Civil War was fought, the South lost, and after the Civil War, many Southerners did not change their mind about racial supremacy. They had made racial supremacy the, their cornerstone of the Confederate South. That was what they rested on. 
and after they lost the war, they did not change their minds. They just developed different systems in order to keep blacks and other minorities powerless. So let me just run through just just the five major institutions in our society. Let's let's take one that we definitely see we have issues with today. The institution of law enforcement, law enforcement. Now, let's be let, let's be clear. Most police officers, men and women, are awesome, wonderful people who are there to do their jobs and they do it well. But they are in a system that was designed from the very beginning to treat blacks and other minorities different. After the Civil War, Okay, the federal government created something that's called the Freedmen's Bureau, which was designed to help African-Americans establish their way in life. And it worked well at first. But then after a few years, Southerners began to pass laws state by state. And these laws were aimed at African-Americans, black codes that they were called pig laws, some of them were called, Jim Crow laws, and all of them were laws that were aimed at incarcerating African-Americans. And thousands of African-Americans were eventually picked up through these laws and incarcerated, taken out of their families, taken out of society, and they were put into prisons where they were leased out as, as labor. We, we just might well say it, slave labor. They were leased out as slave labor to different companies and was all done by the permission of the governments of the states. It was systemic, purposely designed for that purpose. OK, so when you when you have today good people that are trapped in a bad system in a law enforcement system that, number one, has no significant teaching on diversity. Number two, has no system of discipline to discipline people whenever they commit racist acts. And they have people who actually cover up for people who do wrong. So when you're in a system like that, okay, even when you are a, a good officer and you see things like this happen, there is a temptation for you to turn bad. So we're still struggling with that same old broken system today where there is no accountability, no discipline, no punishment, and no serious effort to teach people to be anti-racist. And that's why we still see police brutality today in the George Floyd instances that we saw. Dr. Adams, I'm, I'm, I'm going to pause there and just because I, 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 I know you have a whole lot to say. I'm just going to pause there and, and, and just allow you to just just break in there. Uh, Professor Holly, I was enjoying uh, your historical um, dissertation this morning and bringing us back, uh, taking us back, excuse me, all the way to uh, the beginning uh, to bring us up to where uh, we are now. And um, I would just want to thank you uh, for that uh, being so profound and so prolific uh, and accurate in your assessment of where we are today. And it seems like, uh, can you just address the fact uh, that it seems like, uh, is it 
is it the minority's responsibility to try to bring about change? And if systemic racism uh, in all of its institutions in America is so terrible, it's so bad, it's so tragic, um, and we in a democratic society in which we're, uh, the world is looking at us and getting direction from us, uh, is it incumbent, who is it incumbent upon then uh, to actually uh, dismantle uh, these uh, institutions of systemic racism and why, if you don't mind uh, me addressing that back to you. Yes, sir. Sure, sure. Doctor, it is incumbent upon us all. And even though there are certain instances where the majority uh, seems to have the upper hand, as you will, the power, um, the minority still has options. Okay, We should speak out even as the uh, minority. We can speak out. If we are people of faith, we can pray for our leaders. Uh, we can vote in order to make sure that people who will do right serve in our leadership offices. Uh, and we should make sure that our laws and our nations make everyone accountable through the law and that no one is above the law. And this is the struggle that we see today, doctor, is that we have people in powerful political positions who can create laws, uh, just laws, and but unfortunately they are have decided that they're going to undo the the just laws and bring back the racist laws. And so our responsibility then is to speak up, protest peacefully, vote, and try to reach out to our family and friends who may not understand okay, how serious uh, this is. But you are exactly right, doctor. You know, uh, the minority has a responsibility, but all of us have a, a huge re responsibility to make sure that we live in a country where everyone has equal justice under the law. Thank you so very much. And uh, it seems like um, in our society that it has always has been that the oppressed has to kick back against the oppressor when we're living in what we call a democratic society, a government of the people, by the people, and for the people, and not for some of the people. Uh, and so uh, it seems like that in America, that the only way the uh, minority can be heard, unfortunately, is through a protest movement. Uh, many times when uh, we go uh, to meetings, uh, we have discussions, uh, we present our arguments, and we are listened to uh, in many instances, uh, 
what we're saying is acknowledged, but it does not lead to meaningful legislation, nor does it mean, uh, lead to meaningful change by change agents who have that power. And there's only so much that people will take. And it's just like uh, the cartoon I used to watch uh, many years ago, uh, a sailor by the name of Popeye. Uh, Popeye, for the most part, uh, was a peace-loving uh, sailor. And then there came along uh, this other guy, this bully by the name of Bluto. And Bluto would always uh, strike the first blow. And if Popeye didn't resist, or if he said something uh, in a, uh, just in a silent way, uh, in a passive way, it seemed like it gave uh, Bluto the impetus uh, to continue to perpetrate uh, his power upon Popeye. And after a while, after Popeye has been uh, hit, uh, beaten and battered and even gone through the ringer, so to speak. Uh, he has a famous word that he would speak and he would say, I've had all I can take and I can't take no more. And basically that's what happens in our society, especially as you related to law enforcement, uh, which has become one of the tools uh, that is being used to subjugate and to oppress uh, people of color. Uh, and so there, when the kickback comes uh, on the part of those that have been beaten down, uh, it seems then that the tables are turned against us, that we are now labeled as peace breakers uh, and people of violence, uh, we become rioters and destroyers of property. Uh, and I would venture to say that everybody, most people in America want the same thing. I, I want to tell you uh, that people in America, they want good schools. Mm -hmm. uh, they, want, they want safe streets. They want the uh, right uh, to pursue life, liberty, and happiness. Uh, they want uh, to be treated equally and fairly in health care, in education, in housing, uh, in job opportunities. All of these things which are supposed to be what is known as the American dream to many people is an American nightmare. And I would venture to say that if the tables were turned uh, and if we as black people were the slave owners and the businessmen and the majority race were the sub subjugated ones, I'm not so sure that after Emancipation Proclamation that those people would be so peace-loving. And I think that we have to give credit to God Almighty for instilling in us to love our enemies and to forgive those uh, who have mistreated us and despitefully 
used us. And I think America really owes us as a race of people a great deal uh, of gratitude because all those 10 million that you talked about, and I, we know that all of them, all of us, excuse me, all of us didn't matriculate uh, to the United States of America. And we have so many of our family members that are down in the islands, some in Cuba, in Puerto Rico, and other uh, Caribbean islands, as well as South America, uh, as well as down all the way down in Brazil. Uh, this racism uh, traffic from shore uh, to shore, from sea to shine and sea, uh, took us out of a homeland, as you said, people look back and say, we'll never see that again. And so we have come to embrace a land and a society that has not embraced us in the same way that we have embraced it. And so we, not, we definitely understand peace and love. And if others who have perpetrated against us would do the same, then this would be one great happy place in which to live. And so uh, racism uh, is uh, per perpetrating itself in such a way that in every area and every facet of our lives that we can see that we are yet still battling against these demons more so today than we were before. Uh, the, the, the black codes may have been dismantled by legislation, but they have not been dismantled by practice. And so this is why we're at a crossroads, Professor Holly. Yes, sir. We're at a crossroads because we have to look and decide in what direction are we going to go? Are we going to continue and are we going to confront those who say that they are for us in a political way, who make the laws and are asking for our vote? We must confront them, not before after the election, but for before the election, to let them know that if you want my vote, if you want my support, then you have got to pledge and you have got to endorse our platform of equality in every area of life. And if you're going to be a leader, you must be a leader for all of the people and not just for a select group of people. One of the things that has happened, unfortunately, and you may want to correct me if, if I'm going wrong on this, but one of, to me, one of the things that has happened is that 
people court us. Mm -hmm. yes. yes. So, so hard. You know, yes, sir. Yes, sir. If, if, right. if, if, if a gentleman, if a gentleman uh, falls in love or uh, is interested in a young lady and he wants to talk to her and he asks it out, her out for a date and he proposes to her and gives her a ring and they get married. Then that same uh, love, that same care and compassion and concern that he had prior to the engagement and the betrothal ought to spill over into the wedding and the marriage. Yes, sir. And it seems like that, and I may be wrong, but uh, that no, we you're right, Don. To you're right. <laughs> you are absolutely right. So my, my, my question to you is, what direction, because I'm asking the question, who is speaking for us as a people since we have all of these institutions that need to be dismantled, that is institutionalized racism in all of these areas? Who are our leaders, Professor Holly? Hmm. Sir, I would, I would venture to say that those who are speaking up on behalf of diversity, those who understand, those who are bringing a message of tolerance and diversity, who are telling us that diversity is not anti-American propaganda. Diversity is what America should be because every single race that walks on the dirt of, of North America came here from somewhere else other than the native Indians. So we're all here coming from other countries. So this is a nation of diversity. So those leaders who are recognizing and acknowledging that racism exists, that it is systemic, and that we need to take significant steps to correct it, those who are uh, acknowledging the plight of the African-Americans that are still in America, those who are pledging and promising and taking positive steps to do something about racism, those are the folks that we should be connecting with and not others who are saying the totally opposite. You are, you are absolutely correct, doctor. There are some politicians out there who just want continued racism, continued separation and they want continued privilege, okay? And, and nowadays, they're not being quiet about it. They are boasting and bragging about it. And so we need to, to support those people who acknowledge that racism is real and that we need to do something about it, and those who say that diversity is the direction that we should be headed in America. Thank you, sir. And you're listening to Professor C.L. Holly, who is our special guest on this morning, uh, Crossroads. And Crossroads has a center point. It is where North and South meets East and West. It is where we discuss topics of leading interest uh, with people, men and women, who are 
very, very well versed, as we can say, as Holly is on this morning, a 2020, uh, my understanding, Toastmasters uh, international speaker, uh, well sought after uh, for his uh, expertise for the research that he has done uh, in many, many different uh, areas of um, uh, life here in America. And certainly we have to tip our hats off to him. Uh, this man, uh, he's not a jack of all trades. Amen. He's a master. Amen. In his own right. And we're just so privileged and proud to have Professor Holly on with us on this morning. Uh, let me ask you this uh, question. Uh, how can or can democracy and racism coexist in America? I would say, Dr. Adams, no. Um, and we see the results of the two trying to coexist today, and the result is unrest and war. We still suffer, doctor, uh, in America from the traditional North versus South mentality. We still have not gotten past it. The South um, operated on the premise that the Declaration of Independence statement that said all men were created equal was false. That's what the whole Confederacy was actually built upon. And political leaders stood up and made speeches to that effect. One of the most famous speeches was called the Cornerstone speech, where a politician, a Southern Confederate politician, stood up and said that the, that the Southern Confederacy was built upon white supremacy and that it rejected the notion that the Declaration of Independence statement that all men were created equal was true. So they rejected that statement and they said that all men were not created equal, that whites were supreme. That was why they went to war. Okay. And so while most Northerners held, held the point of view that the Declaration statement was in fact true, they really did think that all men were created equal. So thus you had the a one country at that time, America, with two different points of view. The Southern point of view, which basically said whites are superior and therefore slaves, blacks, should be remained, should be kept as slaves. Okay. And then the Northern point of view, which says that no, 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 all men really are created equal and that slavery is immoral. And so we still have not come to one single conclusion today. Happily, many of our white brothers and sisters have come around and they have realized that truly all men are created equal. But sadly, there are still far too many in America with that still Southern Confederacy point of view that says whites are superior. And this yes, is sir. why we're seeing what we're seeing today. Mm -hmm. So uh, then what we're saying uh, 
basically, and what I'm hearing you say, is that those who do know and that those who do practice and those who know that racism is wrong must take a stand and condemn it in its very tracks. Um, and I think that the gospel, Jesus had it um, uh, well spoken when he said that I didn't come to bring peace. I really came to bring a sword. Uh, well, uh, fathers will be against sons and mothers against daughters and brothers against brothers. Uh, and that not so much of hatred, but so much of taking a stand against hatred, taking a stand against bigotry, taking a stand uh, against systemic racism, uh, taking a stand to uh, bring people out of poverty so that everybody uh, can enjoy uh, a life uh, uh, past uh, poverty. Um, and so uh, I thank you for bringing that out uh, to us. Yes, I, I, and I want to applaud and thank those very fine gentlemen of the lighter hue, uh, those Europeans and those Jews who have, and Indians and others who have stood with us uh, for our cause of racial equality, cultural enjoyment. And so we know that if it had not been for uh, Caucasians, that there would not be an underground railroad because we would have to have somewhere that we would be able to be hidden out of the view of those who were trying to subjugate us and keep us in racism. And those people, I want to, I want to, and we want to thank them. And we need to thank all from every race who stood with us, who opened up their doors, who opened up their cellars, who opened up their bonds, who opened up their hideaways, who opened up their covered wagons and their trails that allowed us to uh, escape from slavery and who uh, put their own families, their own health and their own wellness on the line, who had to uh, operate businesses but keep a low profile using their eyes and their ears and their privilege to be able to be in the meetings to hear what was being said and how to counteract and how to circumvent uh, what was going on and to lead many of our people to safe passage. And so uh, we didn't do it all by ourselves. It took men and women who were loyal to the cause of equality, who understood that they came to America to escape the same kind 
of racism, the same kind of bias and bigotry because they could not themselves worship the way they wanted to worship and didn't want to worship under a state religion. And that's why they put it in their constitution, the separation of church and state, so that worshiper would have the opportunity to worship as they pleased. And they understood how certain Europeans subjugated other Europeans. And that's why they escaped to America. We understand that it was that America was founded as a refuge for people who were looking for a better way of life for their homes, for their families, for their nationality, for their religious uh, faith and beliefs. And it is these people who assimilated and look like the other people. Yes, we know that Irish were discriminated against by the English, and they were called second class, dirt farmers, and all that they could produce for the crown were potatoes. Well, I want to tell you, we thank God for potatoes, because if it wasn't for potatoes, there wouldn't be a black man who, who produced potato chips. And we are some of the most resourceful people who we have had our share of lemons that had been turned into lemon meringue pie and lemonade for our enjoyment. And so, uh, yes, we are still being discriminated against. We are still being identified. And one of the problems that we have is that we are readily identifiable. Other people can hide behind the color of their skin and nobody will ever say anything different about them. As a teacher, I one day asked one of the teachers uh, in our, uh, at our school about the so-called ethnic cleansing that was going on in Europe when you've got uh, the Poles, uh, you've got the Serbians, uh, you've got all of these, uh, the Slavs, uh, all of these uh, different national na nationalities going talking about ethnic cleansing. So this is something that is not just unique to America, but I asked her the question, I said, not being disrespectful, but since you all look alike and you all have the same tone of skin and everything, I said, how is it possible that you all can identify uh, one from the other? And you know what she told me? She said, Mr. Adams, we identify each other by our skull. 
As you can mm. see, I have a round skull and others have a blunt skull. And so basically the round skulls have been at war with the blunt skulls. Mm. And so, and so, uh, my brothers, I want to tell you, uh, people will find a way to identify who you are. And we are readily identifiable by our skin color. And so uh, we have to identify as our allies, those who say they will line up with us. And we have to work with them because it's not about what political party we are part of now. We have to look at people as individuals and get past party politics and view everybody as an equal. And when they are showing themselves not to be, then we disassociate ourselves from that individual. And we build alliances with those who are working toward our best interests. This is Crossroads. I am your host, moderator, narrator Lee Adams, have on my uh, podcast on this morning, the eminent professor C.L. Holly. Uh, Dr. Holly, would you like to uh, have something else to say uh, before we close out the podcast on this morning? Uh, certainly, if there are any of your books that you would like to highlight with us, we'd certainly like to uh, hear from that or uh, whatever you want to say in your closing remarks. Sure, sure, sir. I, I just wanted to, to briefly just, just kind of uh, close us out by, by just mentioning the remainder of these institutions. Now, j just imagine being a black man after the Civil War. You have no money. You don't own anything. Uh, you can't read. You can't write. And yet the major institutions of, of American society are setting up roadblocks. The major institution of education, the major institution of social, such as housing, health care, society, the major institution of financial, the major institution of religion. And I write a a shocking, actually a challenging chapter in the book on the church and how our church supported racism and propped it up and still today have, have a major problem with that. So just imagine a black person trying to work your way into a society where roadblocks are set up on every single major institution. And it is tough. It's hard. And even though we made much, much progress, much of that progress is now under attack today, even in 2020. And this is why we must get out, we must vote, we must become active, we must use our voices, and we must support the people who support diversity and anti-racism. And my website is speakerholly.com. That's speaker, H-O-L-L-E-Y.com. Everyone is welcome to go to speakerholly.com. You'll see all, all of my books. Uh, if you need a uh, diversity speaker, 
a uh, anti-racism speaker, a uh, anti-bias speaker, I will be happy to share with you. Speakerholly.com. Thank you so much again, Dr. Adams, for having me on your groundbreaking podcast. Thank you, Dr. Holly. Uh, it has been a plum pleasing pleasure to have you. And I want to thank all of the supporters, all of you who have tuned in uh, to this podcast. I want to thank Dr. Bruce Smith, uh, who is the producer of this broadcast. And without him, it would not be possible. I want to say to you, those of you who have listened and joined in, uh, our podcast is designed to be informational, educational, and inspirational. It is not designed to put anybody down, but to lift everybody up. And we're all in this thing together. There is no other planet. There's no other world where we can go. Uh, We are here. Uh, We're confined by this time and this space. And so I don't care how much exploration uh, is going to be done and try to get along as best as we can. We do not want to leave here with a blight on our record. I don't know there are some that say they don't believe in God. They don't believe in this. They don't believe in that. Well, I do have a saying and an adage that I'd much rather believe that God exists, die, and find out that he doesn't, than to live as if God doesn't exist, die, and find out that he does. Because only what you do in this life is going to count. And so we are our brother's keeper. And I want to thank you all for listening to Crossroads, where in the center point, north and south meets east and west. Thank you, my very listeners. Uh, If you enjoyed this podcast, let us know. Uh, If you do enjoy it, let others know. We're on at 10 a.m. Central Standard Time through the BVS Gospel Net. Dr. Bruce Smith, the producer, and having had an outstanding guest uh, on today, Professor C.L. Holly, and I want to let him know this won't be his last time. Thank you so very much, friends, and you have a great day, and all of us, we're proud and honored to have you as our guest. Thank you so very much. Racism, what is it good for? And as Mr. Edwin Starr said, absolutely nothing except for those who want to continue to perpetrate it for their own special interests. We will take that up next time. Be blessed and may God bless you and your homes and your families on today and always. Thank you, Professor Holly. Thank you, Dr. Adams.